Welcome to Cisco Tech Beat, the podcast that explores the people and stories behind what inspires the newest innovation. I'm your host, AB, and I'm happy to welcome my friend, Classy James, who is not only a DEI events and activations business leader, but is also responsible for orchestrating a variety of impactful experiences for the company, such as strategic partnership pre-events, Cisco Radiate, CEO Roundtables, our Black History Month campaign, and a whole lot more. So Classy, welcome to TechBeat. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I am very excited that you are here because not only have we talked before and it's been always a great conversation, but today we get to talk about something that I find fascinating that I know I've never covered on a podcast before, which is talking about the transition from professional sports or athletics uh, to a corporate role or to tech. And I mentioned that because you were sort of on the verge of a professional career when unfortunately an injury made you have to pivot and, and do something else. So I wonder if you could just give us a little background of just your personal background, your athletic background, and then the journey that you took to where you are now. Yeah. So personally, I'm from East Palo Alto, California, born and raised in the Bay Area. I moved to Atlanta in 2019. And so most of my life was in the Bay Area. And most of my life was really focused on sports. As a kid, I had too much energy. So my parents put me <laughs> in all sports. <laughs> but the sport of choice for me was basketball. And I went on and competed at the high school level. And I actually was really fortunate to commit to Oregon State University my sophomore year in high school. And I was actually the first women's basketball player in the graduating class of 2010. It sounds long ago, but 2010 <laughs> <laughs> to commit to a college. And that's because it was the right program. It was the right coach. And my high school coach, my parents and myself all felt like it was going to be the perfect place for me to develop as a women's basketball player. Mm. So then we fast forward to my senior year in high school when I'm graduating and the coach that recruited me out of high school, she gets fired. And then they brought in a new coach. So I said, mm. I want to still give this a year because it's Oregon State, it's the Pac-10, and I don't want to miss out on this opportunity. So I go to Oregon State and it just was not the right program for me with the right coach. And so I made the decision to transfer and go to San Jose State. So I went back home to compete. However, when I was going through my, I would say, transition from Oregon State to San Jose State, I had this injury that had been bothering me since I was a senior in high school. Mm -hmm. And so what was happening was I had a stress reaction in my right hip that turned to a stress fracture in my right hip. And when the trainer at San Jose State figured out what was going on with me because I had so many MRIs. I had different types of MRIs where ink was injected in my hip and they couldn't figure out what pain I was experiencing. And when they finally figured it out, it was right before my hip uh, almost snapped in half. So imagine oh. playing on a stress fracture that's progressively getting worse. And I'm still practicing. I'm still doing what I need to do. I do have a high pain tolerance. <laughs> and so... I, I had to sit out a year. The beautiful thing about the timing was when you had to transfer back then, you had to sit out a year. And so the year I had to sit out, I was figuring out how do I heal my hip? Now I had two options. The first option was to get a, was to get a metal plate and screws put in my hip and have hip surgery at the age of 19. 
Or the second option was to let it heal naturally, which I chose and I was on crutches for six months. So imagine transferring to a different school, figuring out the campus on crutches. I learned a lot about myself then, about my mentality and about my, (laughs) you know, strength to persevere, even having to be on crutches in the rain. Like I fell on campus several times. (laughs) (laughs) And so, I mean, laughing, you know, now, but when it happened, I'm in pain, I'm I'm frustrated, definitely. And then was able to compete after that year. Then I had a knee injury. I had a really big post player fall on my knee and hyperextend it. Also, I was really favoring my right hip. And so I was putting more pressure on my left knee. Mm. And then when that happened, the, the, the injury, I just never felt the same. And I went to the doctor and they told me that I had bone and cartilage floating in my knee and that I could have an orthoscopic surgery. We call it a scope to have that, you know, pulled out of the knee to see if I could continue to play my senior season or go into my senior season. And unfortunately, I couldn't. And so my career came to an end. I had to have a major surgery, which is called a mosaic plasty, also known as a bone and cartilage transplant in my left knee. And that was the end of my basketball career. And I had to start figuring out what do I want to do? Who am I? What am I passionate about besides basketball? Because for so long, that was my identity. I was Classy James, the basketball player. That's how I identified myself. That's how my family and friends identified me. And so when you remove the basketball player from my title, I had to really go through a self-discovery process. And it took years of figuring out what I want to do and what I'm passionate about outside of the sport of basketball. Wow. And so much to deal with at such a young age, too. It's just, uh, well, I, I I know that you went through a lot, but I am so glad that you landed at Cisco and that we're colleagues and, and we have a friendship and, uh, and I'm looking forward to talking more about that. So how were you fortunate to build a career that you have now at Cisco? Like, like, I mean, what was that journey like? And um, I know that it's not always a smooth transition moving from something else, particularly athletics, um, to a corporate or tech career. But what was that journey like? The journey was a really interesting one because when I had my final surgery, actually before the final surgery, my mom had worked at Cisco for over 22 years. Mm. So I grew up at this company and I was like, okay, mom, I'm not going to be a professional basketball player. So I need to find a job. Right. And that's when you start leveraging your network. Your network could be your parent or your network could be your parent's friend or, you know, a teacher or whatever. Um, I just happened to have my biggest advocate helping me find a job who worked at Cisco. And so she slid my resume to um, a woman who works at Cisco, uh, Caroline. I think she's still in supply chain, actually, Caroline Mm. Jones. And I also grabbed lunch with her. And honestly, Caroline fell in love with my personality. My resume was not very good. It, you know, <laughs> the only working basketball coach right. and working in retail. Uh, luckily, I mean, I was a finance major too. So I knew a little bit about, you know, finance, sure. but that was all. And so when I grabbed lunch with her, she fell in love with my personality. And she was like, do you want to work at Cisco? And I'm like, yes, I need a job. <laughs> so she was like, if you find a job, I can submit a referral for you on your behalf. And the role that I found was actually a role that was going to report to her. Mm-mm. So she's like, you want to work in supply chain? And I was like, sure. Again, I just want to have a job. <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> you know, whatever. And 
I went through a process of I didn't have to formally interview with her because she already considered our conversation an interview. I interviewed with her boss. Right. And they hired me. And the ironic thing about it is I went into my interview with my leg brace and my crutches because it was, I think, a month or so after my final surgery. Mm. So I graduated from San Jose State in 2014. Um, I had my interview, I want to say February of 2015. I started working at Cisco March of 2015. And I've been with the company ever since. So that was kind of my journey. I, I went from being a college basketball player And then within three months of graduation, I was working at Cisco. So I started off in supply chain and then I moved over to collab. And then I was able to shift over into the PNC organization and start working in DEI. And again, a lot of it was project specialist work or program management work. And because of some of the work that I do outside Uh of, of Cisco with philanthropy, that led me to lead Radiate. I know we're probably going to talk about Radiate and all those things later on in the conversation, but showcasing some of my talents that I usually leverage outside of the company. Like I always do all my family parties and things of that nature. I never envisioned that would lead to a career where I'm now putting together really amazing events for the company. That's amazing. And you've been at Cisco nine years-ish? It'll be nine years in March. Wow. Okay. So, right. So supply chain, collaboration, now within the, the DEI sphere. So yeah. I'm wondering if there's anything that you have taken from some of your past experiences, particularly when you were an athlete, uh, that transfers over uh, to what you do now. I would say there's a lot of transferable skill sets. I think the ability to work with different folks from different backgrounds, right? Because as an athlete, you're working with folks. I remember being at San Jose State And I had teammates that were from Australia. Mm. So you're already learning about different cultures and how they communicate and how you work well together. I would say the ability to like take and receive feedback is something that I do really well because as an athlete, you're constantly being scrutinized. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you miss a shot, you know, bring your arm in or hold your follow through. And so I can take feedback, you know really well because I always want to be better. And I think that's also the competitive nature in me wanting to be my best at all times and having that hunger and desire, I think to always win. So even if that's a project I'm leading, I want to win at that project, you know? So even when I look at Radiate, I wanted Radiate to be such a huge success. So I put everything into it. I like to say Radiate was like me preparing for my own version of a national championship. And so that's the way I looked at it from a basketball standpoint of how do I set up the, the players and plays? How do we make sure we have everything that we need to be success so we win the national championship? So I take a lot of different analogies being an athlete and I apply that to work. Right. And that's been really successful for me. I love that. And for anyone listening who may not know what Radiate is, what is Radiate? Radiate was the first, uh, I would say, amazing event for our connected black professional inclusive community. We brought together, I would say over 200 black professionals in the city of Atlanta. And we talked about development and career growth. And we brought together community. We had amazing speakers, some of them external, some of them internal, some of them former Cisco employees that are doing amazing things. We did a give back with Usher's new look And we had a really good time. We also had our ELT and our SLT involved. And that was just such a beautiful moment 
for the company as a whole. Absolutely. It's, it's great to have uh, top leadership be, you know, just as enthusiastic about these programs as those of us who are involved in, in the ones that we're passionate about. Um, and of course, clearly working with athletes is a natural, understandable passion for you. I want to talk about some programs that you're personally involved in as well. So we're talking about ShakeOut and Athletes Unite. Um, what are ShakeOut and Athletes Unite? And how is Athletes Unite bringing new talent to Cisco specifically? Yeah. So ShakeOut is my nonprofit where it's rooted in helping athletes with their transition out of athletics. Mm. So when we talk about life after sports, that's a really tough concept. And unless you're an athlete or you know an athlete, you don't realize how difficult that transition is. Because you're now, okay, my, my whole life has been this sport. Now I have to find a job. Now I have to prioritize maybe my mental health where as an athlete, I was, I just had to win. You know, we had to get through practice. We had to win games. I'm really proud of the fact that mental health is so important in athletics publicly now. And we're talking about it. And a lot of these collegiate and professional programs have a mental health professional on staff. That's amazing for me. But back when I was playing and was transitioning, that's not something that we talked about. And we didn't have that level of support. So I offer that support with with ShakeOut and then also community. So it's connecting athletes to careers, athletes to community, and athletes to different resources, whether it's financial resource or mental health resources. So that's what I do with my nonprofit. And with that, I have the conference, the Athletes Unite Conference. And Last year, we kind of combined it, the concept of the Athletes Unite Conference with our talent acquisition team at Cisco to strictly just focus on creating a pipeline of athlete talent to come work at Cisco. And that was really fun. And that's led us to, you know, partnering with the NFL at the Super Bowl for the first time showing up at their career fair to provide a pipeline of NFL specific talent to come work at Cisco. So it's really great that I've been able to bring some of my passions about DEI representation and talent acquisition to Cisco. And I would love to see a whole bunch of athletes work at Cisco. (laughs) (laughs) I think that'd be amazing. And I know we're going to dive into that a little bit later, some more, but I just think it's great to, to provide people who have sort of dedicated themselves to, you know, a career that's pretty grueling on a professional level to something else, transition to something else that's, you know, that's fulfilling in a different way. It's, I think it's, it's a, it's a great cause for sure. I want to switch to HBCUs because obviously at Cisco, you know, we forged incredible partnerships with lots of HBCUs, um, part of our whole purpose. And I'd love to learn about a particular scholarship program that you started uh, with HBCUs. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes. And actually you, I told you about it before I officially launched it. Right. So what I'm currently working with or creating is an endowment with a bank institution where I would set up a multi-million dollar endowment. Right. And the goal is half of that will go to HBCU scholarships and the other half will go to an athlete loan forgiveness program. Mm. I think there's a misconception around all athletes getting full ride scholarships, which is totally inaccurate. (laughs) And so you have even athletes at D1 institutions not necessarily having scholarships, but then we talk about D2, D3, NAIA or junior college, all of that's expensive. And when we're talking about also equity in the workforce, if you have someone that was a scholarship athlete and then someone that's not a scholarship athlete, they're dedicating the same amount of time to their sport. 
And so when they graduate, one has student loans and one doesn't. Mm. So how is the one with student loans supposed to actually think about a career that stimulates them, that drives them, that they're passionate about when they're thinking about their student loans? Right. Yet the athlete without the student loans has a little bit more flexibility, a little bit more freedom. So my hope is that by providing the loan forgiveness, a certain dollar amount, you know, per applicant, it allows them to get ahead in life and find a career that makes them feel good as a human being. So that's what I'm currently creating. I might officially launch it in 2025. We're working out a lot of the, you know, the details, but I'm excited to be able to impact the lives of hundreds of athletes on an annual basis. That's amazing. And I know that it's in its infancy, but are you finding that there are other institutions or even individuals who are really keen on this idea, who, who are gung-ho about this and want to participate? Yes. There, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of organizations because there's a lot of give back mm-hmm. opportunity from these organizations. There's a lot of organizations, you know, similar to Cisco that want to hire and recruit top talent and also want to give back. Right that give back component. And, you know, when we're talking about DEI, you know, I'm in the DEI space, but I I, I live and I breathe DEI both at Cisco and also through my nonprofit. And so anytime you hear of like scholarships, athletes, HBCUs, I think it gets folks excited. And then when they hear about what I'm doing specifically, I'm doing a lot of things that have never been done before. Mm. So there's no blueprint. I'm really just winging it. And (laughs) in, in, It'll be a success and I'll just continue to grow from it. That's the way I'm looking at it. <laughs> I love that. And, and that's, I mean, I think that's the great, the, the, the perfect attitude for embarking upon a new yes. journey. I, lo- I love that. Um, you mentioned, you know, debt and just the cost of going to school, which in America, of course, uh, it, it's like an epidemic. You know, you come out of college and so many people have debt. And with regard to athletes, and I know that so many people who are, in college sports dream of being that professional athlete. And when we really break it down and it differs between sports, but the percentage of those who actually make it is so, so low, Um, which to your point about coming out of college with debt, especially for those who don't get, you know, a multi-million dollar contract playing in the NFL, for example, um, it can be really burdensome. So just in terms of thinking about life after athletics, regardless of whether you make it in athlete in athletics or you do something else, what would be your advice to young athletes who may not have even considered um, professional life beyond or besides sports? Yeah, what I recommend because I do a lot of workshops at at colleges and universities, and I have them do an exercise where I say, if money was not an issue in your life. Mm. Write down some things that you would love to do. And you start to make that list and you start to see the things that you're passionate about. So I said, okay, while you're in school, how can you actually start doing things that you're passionate about today? Mm -hmm. And when I've had this exercise, you hear really fantastic things. Like some athletes are really passionate about animals. And so then they start to like volunteer at animal shelters or some are really passionate about the arts. And so they're tapping into their artistry. And that's that, the ironic thing about it is, you know, the theme for Black History Month is African-Americans in the arts. Mm. But when I was talking to these different athletes, they all have different passions and interests. I said, how do you start to tap into those while you're playing your sport? Because one, you need an outlet. Yeah. And two, 
you can start identifying certain things that maybe you're interested in doing after athletics. So say, for instance, I had a teammate in San Jose State who was a phenomenal singer. Right. And now she's into the music industry, but she always was doing things around the music industry already. So that transition for her wasn't as difficult. But even aside from that, say, for instance, you are looking at the skill sets that you possess. Are you super organized? Are you a detail oriented person? And so I started having exercises with them like that, like, okay, you might be a really good program manager. And they're like, what's a program manager? You just Mm -hmm. manage a program. Honestly, it's like you see something from end to end, like you manage a program or a project when you are in school. It's a similar type of situation. If you're usually the person that's speaking up in a class project or you're organizing everything or you're putting calendar invites on everybody's calendar and making sure everyone has their stuff together, you might be really good chief of staff one day to someone. So I think I start to pull out the skill sets and the passions within the athletes. And then I start to like think of potential jobs or career options for them and it's just like it's just an idea and then you start talking to them when they're a freshman and then a sophomore and then a junior they start to feel more comfortable and more confident as they go into their senior season and so by the time they're graduating they already have an idea right or they might already have an internship lined up if they've also played their cards right i love that and you know i think especially in tech for you know where we work in this in this arena a lot of people who work in different disciplines or who have other backgrounds don't even consider the idea that there might be a spot for them in tech. And and I can I'm I was guilty of yes. that coming from like a more of a music and creative background. It never occurred to me that a company this size would have um you know something available possibly uh that could utilize my skill set. So I think it's it does these athletes such a great service and and it's 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 nice to hear that other companies are also trying to recruit athletes who have so much more to offer beyond just, you know, their physical uh, strength. (laughs) Exactly. Because I mean, they also have like a lot of mental strength. When you think about what we have to go through as athletes, it's really tough, not just physically, but mentally. Mm. And that's also, I think a, a, a trait that I've carried over from being an athlete into being a working professional But I will say this, too. I have a personal mission of increasing the representation of athletes in tech because I'm a I'm a black woman in tech. I'm a former athlete in tech. And it's debunking a lot of the myths about the roles that exist in tech. I'm not saying you all need to go back to school and learn how to code and become an engineer. I'm telling you all, even my journey and my story, because I'm a non-technical individual working at a technology company. And we also see athletes really successful in sales. You're already super competitive. Oh yeah. You have that winning attitude. And I say it time and time again, if you want athletes that are going to be beneficial to your bottom line, go find some competitive, competitive athletes and they will get the job done. And, and then you have folks that, you know, are also former athletes and creatives. And I'm over here. I mean, I create events and experiences and I have a finance degree. Right. So the opportunities are endless in tech. Absolutely. And of course, we know that the more diverse in terms of experience, uh, amongst other things an organization gets, uh, the more innovative it is, the the more empathetic it is. So it's mm-hmm. it's really important to, that we that we allow people from all kinds of experiences to, to work in our workforce. So no, I love that. So I know you talked about what you're what you're founding and the things that you plan to do to rule the world. Um, are there did, did I miss anything? Like, is there anything 
that you still have goals wise, maybe even like on a personal level that has nothing to do with work, but things that you're still looking to achieve uh, in in the near or not so near future? You know, I would say personal goals is maintaining my physical and mental health. After having a career ending injury, I had to figure out how to be physically fit in a different and unique way. I can't Mm -hmm. really go and for a run because my knee might swell up. So I'm constantly looking at ways to invest in my my physical health and my mental health and my spiritual health. So that's one of the things I definitely want to continue to take care of is make sure classy's good. And I would say I'm really open to whatever journey life takes me on. For so long, I was super strict and and everything has to go by this way, by this deadline, by, you know, this is the timeline. But now right. I'm realizing I really want things to flow and knowing that I've planted some amazing seeds, both at Cisco with things that I've done here and then also outside of Cisco. So I'm really excited to see these seeds blossom in really great ways. So I would say for the first time in a long time, I'm going with the flow when I've never been a go with the flow kind of person. So it makes me a little bit nervous. <laughs> But it also makes me excited because I feel like that's a level of maturity and knowing you cannot control everything. Because when you try to control everything, that's when you start to get overwhelmed when things don't go the way in which you had planned. Yeah, ah, I love that. And and being open to what comes your way, which I which I also appreciate because I think when when you're really rigid and I've been there, <laughs> you're you're almost anticipating a particular outcome, and if it doesn't become that maybe you feel like you haven't succeeded, but having whatever happens come to you, that is defining you know, your growth and who you are. So I, I totally align with you on that. Well, this has been a fantastic talk, Classy. I know we've talked before this podcast. I know we'll talk again, but I, I really appreciate your, your coming on and taking time to, to share your story and to spend a little time chatting with me. I appreciate you inviting me. And, and we're talking about things that I love the most, which is sports and technology. So I get to be like the intersection between both. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Perfect. Well, well, thank you again. And I know we'll we'll talk again soon. All right. Thank you.